Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. And we're here for the Invested Podcast where we're learning how to invest like, hopefully, like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and other phenomenal investors that we call investors in the Rule One family, which is all about focused investing, patience, waiting for the market to fluctuate, which it mm-hmm. always does, and then buying a list of companies that you really understand, you really like, something five to 10 companies, maybe to think of it as buying 20 companies in your lifetime. And Buffett said that if you do that and you get four or five of them that are really right, you are gonna get rich. And that's the truth right there. It boils down to that simple kind of thing. But of course, simple and easy, those are different. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's like done and done. Oh wait, how do I go do that now? Like what's What's step number one? <laughs> exactly. I thought this podcast, we ought to talk about passive investing since we're urging people to do active investing, to do the work, do the homework, study hard, um, yeah. make your watch list. Why not just passive investing, right? But what is that? Well, passive investing essentially is handing your money over to someone who's uh, not actively managing it. They're just putting it into the market in a an index or which is also known as an exchange traded fund so those two things index funds and exchange traded funds both are available in most people's 401ks and iras uh, to be an alternative to say broad market mutual funds like a fidelity magellan but wouldn't putting it into money sorry into a mutual fund which is managed by a person wouldn't that also be passive on my part in the exact same way that my buying an exchange traded fund or an index fund would be passive on my part? Yes, your logic is impeccable. Thank you. But one is called active investing and the other is called passive really? investing. Really? Just buying a mutual fund is called active investing? Yeah, um, the, the idea is what kind of investor is it? What's the investment strategy on the thing that you're buying is determining whether it's passive or active, not so much what you're doing. Really? So, yeah, a mutual fund that is trying to beat the market is called an active manager, and their job is to produce better than the market returns of whatever index they compete with. So the big broad market funds are looking at the S&P 500 as competition or the Dow Jones Industrial Average as competition, and their job is to beat those indexes. Um, and for that, they're getting paid fees of, you know, ballpark 2%, 1, 1% to 2% fully loaded and everything. Um, so they not only have to beat the index, but they have to beat it and add their fees onto it uh, mm. and beat that in order for you to come out better than you would just buying a passive fund. Right. I mean, I get the difference regarding the actual work in a given investment vehicle that makes sense between active and passive but so maybe that's actually what the term refers to right but because i would i would find it strange that the same action on my part one is called active and one is called passive just because of what happens on the other end right so it's not it's not oriented toward what you're doing it's oriented toward what what your money manager is doing so okay, the money okay. manager that's going to charge you 2% is going to be active and try to beat the market enough to cover the 2% fee and hopefully then some. Um, and the passive manager is going to charge you very small fees um, in the neighborhood of 
10 basis points, which is a tenth of a percent, mm-hmm. or you know maybe 25 basis points, which is a quarter of a percent instead of 2%, say. Yeah. So for very small fees, they'll, they'll passively manage your money. And what that means is they're just going to go out and buy the index. Uh, so they'll they either create an index mirror, which is something Vanguard does with its index funds, or they'll create an exchange-traded fund, an ETF, that also mirrors the, the index that they're competing with. So since most of these big active funds in a 401k are going to compete with the broad market, that's what people are looking at to see how they're doing, they're going to compare themselves to the S&P 500 and try to manage the money in such a way that it matches the S&P 500 perfectly. So if the S&P 500 goes up 20% in one year, then the exchange-traded fund should also do that. And if it goes down 20%, it will also go down 20%. So it's not trying to beat the market at all. It's just totally passive investing to get the stock market return. Well, last time we were talking about gold, and I know that we promised to come back to that and talk about it more and talk about um, Bitcoin. And it's my fault that we're not talking about that today because I want to actually find out about Bitcoin and read about it a bit before we chat about it on here so that will come a few weeks down the line um but would you say that that would like just buying gold the way we were speaking about last time is also passive or is it only this sort of buying a fund idea well the gold investment would if you just buy it to sit on it is going to be a passive investment you're just buying and holding it yeah, uh, you're not, but you're you not. could say that about anything we do because we buy and hold it. But we do a ton of work before choosing what to buy. Exactly. So I would call it extremely active in terms of my time commitment. Okay, fair enough. I, I'm, I would, I wouldn't disagree. I mean, I would say like, let's say you're you're building your own portfolio and you're shooting for kind of an all weather portfolio that will be low volatility. You would want to have some real estate REITs. You'd want to have some gold. You'd want to have, mm. um, you know, a broad market index. You'd want to have a broad bond index. So you, yeah, in that sense, you're being active because you're trying to figure out how to build yeah. this portfolio. But I think what you're saying is just like skip all that. Don't do the research. Bet on the market as a whole. The way that you bet on the market as a whole is by just straight up buying one of these index funds. Yeah. And the real interesting thing here is that these are fairly recent uh, inventions, these index funds. Um, Certainly Vanguard started them a long, long time ago. John Bogle is a a hero in the mind of a lot of people, including Warren Buffett, uh, for giving people a very low cost way to to get the broad market index. Because they Um, were low cost, right? Like that's that's the innovation that he did is he cut the costs on the fees down. And Bogle was a, a real black sheep in the financial services industry for basically arguing that big fund managers don't beat the market and therefore you're wasting your money on your fees. Um, mm-hmm. And those fees will actually remove about half of your retirement compared to passive index investing. So it's extraordinary. If, 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 if a fund manager just does the market and charges you 2% fees, I mean, think about it. The market's maybe 7% and and you're paying 2% of that to a fund manager. So you're getting 5% instead of the index getting 7 That difference right there is about 40% per year compounded. And it ended up 
wiping out half of your available retirement capital had you just indexed. So that was John Bogle's great invention. Isn't that crazy? It's like (laughs) such a huge number. I feel like that deserves to be plastered on billboards around the country. I mean, it's just so shocking to people like me who don't really think about numbers and compounding and fees. And you just sort of think like, oh, it's probably fine. Yeah, this is normal. This is a huge price of, of ignorance on investors' parts is to think that they're going to put their money in a big, broad market mutual fund and pay those fees, and they don't recognize they're not going to come out as well as just taking the index, right? And so a lot of 401k plans don't even have ETFs that are indexed. Mm. They, they just are for you mutual funds. And why would that be? Because people are making a fortune on your ignorance. So mm. this this podcast is all about active investing. It's all about learning how to do it yourself and learning how to do it the way the greatest investors in the world do it. But don't get me wrong, if you're not going to learn this stuff, then you really don't have much choice other than to to put your money into some sort of broad market investment, either a mutual fund or an index. And the indexes are just cheaper. That's And they don't charge you those fees. So we would argue, along with Warren Buffett, that if you're not going to be a, a knowledgeable, active investor, then you need to just buy indexes, ETFs. Okay? Okay. I mean, that's perfectly acceptable. Except for one little thing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> There's a catch, and it's a whopper of a catch-22. All right, lay it on me. Okay, here it comes. What's the catch? The catch is that if you're investing, let's say that everybody took this great advice from Warren Buffett and stopped buying actively managed mutual funds where there's a person choosing stocks. Yeah. And all they did was put their money into indexed ETFs. So what would happen? Well, the first thing that would happen is that we would understand that the market would only go up if more money was coming into the passively managed indexes. So if more money's coming in, then they're just gonna, just with no brain whatsoever, right? Just stupidly buy all the stocks of the index and all that extra money will make those stock prices go up, right? So Mm -hmm. far? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the market suddenly stops being something where people with a brain are determining that, oh, wow, you know, IBM's not worth 200, it's worth 100. So we're going to sell it. That none of that would happen anymore. They would all be completely just buying, regardless of the news, regardless of anything. Just buy stocks. Just buy the broad index of 500 stocks, which would drive them up only as long as more money was coming in than was going out. So then, what happens if if people start to think, you know, maybe I need to take my money out of the market because of some crisis? that inevitably comes along, right? So here comes this black swan crisis. Now people are afraid of having their money someplace like the stock market, particularly because now they recognize it's only being driven up by money, not by brains, not by earnings, not by anything. It's just except money coming into the index. Then they would say, oh my gosh, I'm scared of this and I'm gonna take my money out. In which case the exact opposite thing happens. They sell, the index has to sell all of those stocks and they start going down. Now, the faster they go down, there's this old story that the the market goes up like a staircase and down like an elevator. 
In other words, <laughs> on the good news, it works its way up against what they call like a wall of worry, right? As it gets higher and higher. <laughs> they have all these great terms. <laughs> but when it comes down, it comes down with fear. And people's reaction to fear is much stronger than their reaction to greed. Yeah. So as the index starts to be sold off, 100% of the, of the market is all indexed. It starts to get sold off. The fear factor will explode and the market will drop just gigantically fast as people start to yank their money out and all those stocks get sold off without any brains being involved in their value at all. So what happens if everybody's indexing is that you end up with massively more volatility in the market. Ups are just sort of ups, but the downs are enormous and that volatility creates a lot of fear. So there's a there's a there's some really good investors that are talking about this now. Um, and it started with uh, George Soros, or sorry, excuse me, Carl Icahn talking about the danger of the bond ETFs, these big bond funds. Oh, there are bond ETFs. Yeah, there's so like, for example, a lot of financial advisors are putting their clients' money into maybe 60% stock ETFs and 40% bond ETFs, right? But the problem is that the bond ETFs that have been created are to a degree illiquid. In other words, there's no there's no stock market going on with these bonds. You have to go find a buyer and sell the bond at some kind of a discount. And the pro what what Icon saw was that you're ending up with a liquid ETF that can be bought and sold very quickly that owns an illiquid asset that it cannot buy and sell very quickly. And yet that bond ETF must sell the bonds in order to get the cash to pay you your money back, which can create tremendous drops in the bond prices. And again, massive volatility. And that volatility creates a lot of fear. So what Icon is saying is really scary in terms of bonds. And now um, uh, some really, really good investors like, um, uh, the guy that runs Oakmark Select is a phenomenal investor, and he's very, very good at like looking at you know distressed bonds, distressed assets, and he's looking at these ETFs and saying that we are re rolling toward a potential catastrophe in the stock market mm. yeah. as more and more people invest in these ETFs. So what you're saying is that because so what you were talking about was kind of a overall scenario nobody ever buys another individual stock everyone just buys these an etf or an right. index and because of that the market moves up only based on the influx of money and then it will drop as soon as the money goes away right and it's not based on earnings or you know choosing a particular stock i mean and, and obviously you mentioned black swan events i could definitely see a situation in which there's not an overall market event that makes the market go down. It's something to IBM or it's something to Amazon or it's something to Apple, like some huge company in the market. And then people, because the only thing they own is the index, they sell the index. Not, everything else is fine. Right. But it drops because of, you know, something in, in the computer industry. Right. Um, so obviously that's not the situation, right? Like there are going to be people buying individual companies. But do you think that we're getting to the point, 
Like, is this what, I forgot his name, but the guy you just mentioned, is this what he was saying, that we're getting to the point where so many people are buying indexes that it may start to actually influence the market? Yeah, the guy's, the guy's name at Oakmark Select is Howard Marks, and he's really considered one of the best investors out there. Very, very smart mm. guy. You can go on the website for Oakmark Select and uh, uh, the Oakmark funds, and, and you can check him out. Um, but here's the thing. The percentage of money that's now invested in the market in passive investments is rising every year dramatically. Like people get it that they shouldn't be paying fees yeah, to fund managers. Yeah, of course, of right? course. So they're shifting, the money's going down for actively managed funds, aggressively going down and aggressively going up in passive indexes. Um, right now, it depends on who you read, but right now it's somewhere between you know, roughly 30 to 40% of the stock market is now passively managed money. Really? Now that's a significant thing. Some people say you Wait don't a have second. to worry so about it. That means it doesn't include mutual funds. Right. It does not does include, not mutual, include funds. mutual funds. That's just index funds, ETFs. So they're taking a larger and larger share. Now, to put ah. this in perspective, um, the last major crash we had was a result of subprime bonds losing their value, right? Subprime real estate bonds losing mm -hmm. their value. Only about 24% of the market of bonds was, uh, was subprime real estate. And that created an enormous uh, financial burden on the credit markets and almost cratered the whole economy. So if you have one quarter of your market that becomes extremely volatile, the fear level gets very high. Mm. So the fact that we're sitting well above a quarter of the market in ETFs right now is a, a cause for worry. And it's getting more every year as well-meaning investors continue to urge people to go buy passive ETFs. Mm -hmm. So you end up with this crazy cycle that goes on where you start to think, wow, who's actually making the market price that these ETFs are piggybacking on? And if the answer is nobody, then two things. Number one, you sure as heck want to want to find some way to know whether you should be in the market at all. <clears throat> and number two, investors like you and me, like Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, benefit radically from this increased passive investing. Really? Yes. I was just thinking, gosh, the next big crash is going to be from these indexes. Yep. And who knows when the bottom's going to drop out of that. Well, the beauty is, we're not buyers who are looking for where the bottom is so much as just looking to buy really great companies at a price that's cheaper than what we could pay if they were a private company. So if I can do that, if I can come in here and buy something at five times its its earnings and uh, and you know a ten cap on its owner cash flow and you know a, a six year payback time, I'm really interested. If if I can buy companies without having to worry about the stock market at all, because they're wonderful companies and I don't care that the stock market's kind of crazy, then a more volatile stock market works to my benefit. I'm an anti-fragile investor. The stock mm -hmm. market becomes very fragile. That makes me stronger as an investor. Because you have the opportunity to buy when it's going down. Yes. I think the hard part that I think of is how do you get the timing right on that stuff if it's no longer following the fundamentals of financial statements 
coming out of the companies, if it's no longer going to drop based on bad numbers, then how do you how do you time it? Well, if it's no longer dropping, um, then of course we're we're not interested in buying, right? In other words, if it's still going up, and no, it's I crazy meant prices, I meant it's dropping because of other reasons. Yeah, it's now it's dropping like a brick, and we're looking at the cash flow coming off of this company. And we make an estimate of its value. We cut that in half, and we're looking to buy it at that margin of safety price. So when it gets yeah, to that sorry, margin I wasn't of safety, clear. I wasn't clear. <clears throat> so I meant like you own company X because of because of everything you just said, right? Sure, Every, right. All the numbers are good, and the market dropped, and you're like, "Wow, you it's an amazing deal! I'm so excited!" And then you bought a whole bunch of it, and then the market went up, and you were like, "This is awesome!" And then, based on not the numbers. It crashes. Right. Based on not the numbers, it crashes. So the stock price crashes. Right? So you just you're like a victim. No. No. That what we buy is value. Right? In other words, we're what we're getting when we get a company is we get the value of the business. Right? We price is just what we paid for it. What we have is the car. Yeah. Right. So we want to be sure we're buying really good cars that are producing a lot of free cash flow. Now, let's think about what happens if there's no stock market. Like you can't sell this thing in the stock market because the stock market's crazy and is Uh pricing it for nothing. Uh So depression era stock market prices. Sure. Okay, so what happens? Well, the first thing that happens is we know from Ben Graham's investing in the depression in World War II, he was making well over 20% a year compounded in exactly that kind of a market. So the first thing that happens is we know that we can buy really good companies for really cheap prices and they're going to throw off a lot of cash. And what that will mean is either the stock price will eventually move up and will benefit from that when the stock market becomes rational or somebody will buy that company like somebody just bought Whole Foods because it was yeah, cheap. That's true. Yeah, that's right. Very... <laughs> so you don't have to have a, pro- a public stock market in order to benefit from all of these companies going on sale because they could be acquired by other companies. Mm-hmm. And that process happens all the time when the market gets radically cheap. Or I also hear you saying you just wait it out. Yeah, we don't buy something for 10 minutes unless we're ready to stick with it for 10 years. That's the 10-10 rule from way back in rule number one days. So this idea of of, uh, of the indexes becoming more and more the, the go-to investment for people um, who don't know any better is a great idea in terms of lowering your cost of the investment. You get a better return than an active investor on a broad market mutual fund. But the danger is if everybody does it, it's gonna make this market insanely volatile. And Mm. when that happens, you're gonna wish you weren't a passive investor. You're gonna wish you did have cash and could buy these companies at super cheap prices. In other words, the price you're gonna pay for being ignorant someday in the near future is going to be far higher than you would ever dream of, I think. Yeah. And on that happy bit of news. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking, I, I'm excited because next episode, we're going to be talking to Jack Canfield about fear. So this is actually a perfect segue. How do you deal with fear about investing in the market and the ups and downs? and um, And how do you... This is obviously, as you all know, the thing I struggle with is like, how do you get yourself to do this work of active investing when you have the option? 
of the passive side and and you know it's not as good but it's easier so um so we're gonna chat with him about that and i'm really excited we're headed to santa barbara for my niece's wedding and jack lives in that ballpark someplace so we're gonna go over to his house and have a great talk and we'll be putting that up on next week's podcast so until then time to go play thanks everybody bye Hey, thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule One podcast. If you like this episode, you can always get our show notes and more details and links to the resources we discussed at investedpodcast.com. Also, as long as you're online, head on over to investedpodcast.com slash workshop for details on an upcoming three-day live workshop that I'm hosting. All you gotta do is enter the special podcast code stockpile that's s-t-o-c-k-p-i-l-e stockpile into the application form and you guys can attend for free so everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or it's danielle's opinion and it is not to be taken as investment advice because i am not your investment advisor nor have i considered your personal situation as your fiduciary this podcast is for your entertainment and education only And I really do hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.